The Bible Study Podcast, episode 241. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Samuel with chapter 21. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As you may recall, David at this point is fleeing for his life from Saul with help from Saul's son, Jonathan, as well as David's wife and Saul's daughter, Michael. David went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king sent me on a mission and said to me, No one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find." But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. The men's bodies are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Allah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. So David is, at this point, misleading Ahimelech in letting him think, since the word has not yet gone out, that David is, for no particularly good reason, Saul's enemy. So he tells Ahimelech a lie. He tells Ahimelech that basically he is on a special mission from Saul and gets from him both bread to sustain him on his journey, the consecrated bread, the bread that would normally be used as part of the sacrifice, as well as the sword of Goliath that he can use because he has fled in such haste that he doesn't have a weapon. This episode here is used by Jesus when Jesus gets in trouble because his disciples are threshing on the Sabbath. They are walking through the fields of grain and with their hands rubbing the tops of the grain so they could eat the kernels. And Jesus says, don't you remember what David did, how he ate the consecrated bread? And when Jesus is telling that story, he's saying the Sabbath is made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What he's saying is that there are rules, yes, but those rules were put in place for our good. And so David at this point is saying this is not normally bread that he would eat. It is bread set aside for God, but his need is greater and it's better to eat and not starve, even if it means eating the consecrated bread. It's the same kind of situation that Jesus was faced with, which is, which is the higher good? What is the importance, rather than a specific legalistic understanding? The story continues. That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish the king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence, and while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman. 
making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Akish said to his servants, Look at the man. He is insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? And so again, David is telling a lie. David is basically protecting himself through this fiction that he is a madman, and he's doing this so that he will appear not to be any threat, and therefore they won't kill him. He's on his own. He doesn't have the protection of the king. He doesn't have the protection of the army. He doesn't have protection of the mighty men who travel with him. You can see that the priest was surprised that he didn't have his men with him, and so he's on his own, and he's being protected at this point only by his wits. Continuing on to the next chapter, chapter 22, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brother and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there David went to Mizpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went into the forest of Hereth. So David isn't sure what to do, but he does know that his family is in danger because they could be captured by Saul and used as hostages to try and get David to surrender. He finds a place to hide them with the king of Moab until he knows what's going to happen. And he finally does get word that he should go back to Judah. He doesn't know why, and it doesn't seem like a particularly wise or prudent thing to do, but it's what God wants him to, so he does. And continuing on with the chapter, now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered, and Saul was seated spear in hand under the tamarisk tree on the hill of Gibeah, with all his officials standing at his side. He said to them, Listen, men of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give all you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that not why you have all conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie and wait for me as he does today. Now, at this point, we need to remember that Israel is 12 tribes, and Saul is of the tribe of Benjamin, and David of the tribe of Judah. And so Saul says, Listen, men of Benjamin, he's calling out to his kinsmen, saying, why are they conspiring against him instead of with him against David? Because they are more like him. He's saying, what is it that he promised you? Why is it that you don't tell me when my son even has conspired with him? Continuing, but Doeg the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's officials, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, son of Ahatub at Nob. Ahimelech required of God for him, and also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahatub, and all the men of his family who were the priests at Nob. And they all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahatub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to them, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today? 
Ahimelech answered the king, Who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. Then the king ordered the guards to his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, and yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. The king then ordered Doeg, You turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed eighty-five men and wore the linen ephod. He also put to sword Nob, the town of the priests, with all its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But one son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, named Abathar escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abathar, That day, when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. At this point, we've started war. At this point, Saul has gone beyond the pretext of trying to capture David and has started a war with anyone who will stand with David, even those who didn't even know that David wasn't on the same side as the king. So Saul starts increasingly to show why God has turned his back on him. Saul is increasingly paranoid. Saul is increasingly ruthless. He is killing the priests of the Lord, and the priests of the Lord haven't done anything. He hasn't sent out word that David is to be captured, or at least word had not gotten to them. They thought they were helping the most favored servant of the king, the king's son-in-law, the captain of the king's guard, the hero of the battles that they have fought. And so Saul basically at this point is also declaring war against God's chosen, against God's priests, and also against the chosen one, the one that God has chosen to replace him. This is not a good place to find yourself. There are times that what we want is different from what God wants, and that's where Saul finds himself. But to choose the path to oppose what God wants and try and instead insist on what we want is foolishness and folly. And that's what's going to happen. And Saul will be caught up in his foolishness and his folly as the story continues. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.